You're listening to That Wire Podcast. Four for you, episode six. My hands twitch constantly these days and I feel like I'm going crazy. I've started fidgeting with my necklace Megs gave me so much I think I'm going to break the thin silver chain. I've never had someone buy me a present this nice before. It's simple and perfect. I don't know if she realised how hard I was trying not to cry when she gave it to me, wrapped so precisely. I took care not to rip any of the paper. Nestled in that little square box was the most perfect necklace I've ever seen. A thin silver chain with a tiny aqua stone in the shape of a star. Well, she said crap, but shit works. That she was too busy with school commitments to put a date together and wanted to get me something small for planning the other night. The night turned out perfect. Planning a date with close to no money? Definitely a skill being added to the resume. I bugged Miss Emily to let me borrow the keys so I could show Megan the newest exhibition a few days earlier than everyone else. I can't believe she actually gave me them. I think she was more happy that Megs would be there than I would. Keys in hand, I hauled ass to the Regic shop, grabbing candles, lollies, biscuits, and a crappy plastic red and black tartan tarp, claiming to be a picnic blanket. Rode to the gallery to set everything up. Later that night, I grabbed Megan from her apartment. I didn't actually think she might say no. It was only 11 on a Friday night. Trailing behind a tired-looking older lady into the foyer, I called her down, ready to surprise her with the whole thing without waking her parents. This is a relationship. A real relationship with real dates, real jewellery and real issues. It's not big issues. At least not to us now that we've calmed down enough to speak about everything. Megs has a slow burn to anger while I'm quick to yell. But we work it out in the end. Megan brings up my flaws, extends them so they're laid bare in front of me, ready to be evaluated from a new angle. I wish I had her in year seven when I was a mean little shit. Year seven is a weird time for anyone. And with my dad leaving, not that he was around much anyway, and mum and I moving from Bacchus to a shithole in Footscray. Our old place in Bacchus wasn't the Hilton, but it had a big backyard I could escape into. I was a cagey and confused 12-year-old, no idea how to funnel my energy into something productive, so I took it out on the other kids, who were probably doing just as shit as I was. Year 8, I stopped picking at people and channeled my anger into my graph. Into crappy tags written in a sharpie marker on the back of a bus seat, into scratches on windows because I wanted to leave a mark that couldn't be buffed away, into my first spray can I bought from the junk shop that didn't guard. I moved up from buses and discreet tags quickly, practicing my Guernsey in the alley at the back of my house. Not the brightest move, I know. I may as well have painted an arrow and let the cops know the best time to arrest me. I skipped lunch for a week to scrape together $15 for a sketchbook and my anger's never left. The built-up feeling in my chest never faded with time. Instead, it was funneled out. Words of hate pouring out of me and into my pieces. Aching wrists from practicing can control. That burst of cold paint when you press down on the nib. Those were my versions of a punching bag. When my back alley was covered, I took it to the train line and old forgotten places. Places that look like the set of Jumanji, all overgrown plants and crumbling concrete. Now that channel's gone. When I told Megan I'd stop, I meant it. Even if I am worrying at my necklace so much it's leaving a red mark on the back of my neck. Missing the sound of cans rattling in my bag and the clean lines of a piece is nothing compared to missing Megan. I've never really understood what anxiety was until now, but I wish I had. Megan has anxiety, and I know it's not a big deal, but I didn't really know what anxiety was. I mean, we all freak out a little, right? I saw her panic at the warehouse, but I just put it down to being scared and doing something not 
all and all on the up and up. So I reacted badly when I saw her walk out of the counsellor's office. I was already in a shit mood, edgy from mum keeping me up late and waking up even later. Missing out on my morning coffee, kicked out of class for snapping at Mr Rogers. I'd been told to stay in the corridor, but I could feel the beginnings of a headache, so I left to get a drink and calm down. Mr Rogers is a moron for the record. Yes, he's technically a good science teacher, I'm sure, but I've had enough of his sexist old-timey crap. Calling me and every other girl in the class dull. I snapped at him after the umpteenth time, mind you. I really think me not snapping at him should be commiserated, or at a minimum notarised. I told him he could shove his dial up his ass. None of the guys have to cop this crap from teachers, and I wasn't putting up with it. Give the boys condescending pet names if you don't think they're sexist names. William, sweetheart, what do you think of... Boring, complicated science question. Yeah, I'd love to see how that question went down. In some fairness, the principal didn't really call me out on it later. He just told me not to speak when it wasn't my turn. Of course, I replied it was my turn, since Mr Rogers called on me, his... Dull. He just didn't get the response he was happy with. Sorry that I didn't conform with your sexist out-of-date terms. We started going in a circle by this point, and the principal either realised I was in fact correct, debatable, or just wanted to get me out of there, more than likely, so I could stop ranting at him. Everyone knows there's nothing worse than a hysterical girl, and shouting about such a feminist agenda is out there as not being called darling by a teacher. <gasps> How irrational. Yeah, I can see why that particular chat wasn't to be explored further. Back to the point. No coffee. Kicked out of class. A failed test. My hair was a mess, and all I wanted was the day to be over so I could start again, and this was all before lunch. Then I saw Megan coming out of the counsellor's office and just poured all of my frustrations and anger on her. I asked what she was doing seeing the counsellor, and I can't say I used the best tone of voice for the situation. She well and truly told me where to go after I basically told her she shouldn't be anxious because she has an easy life. I am a complete asshole, and I've been feeling like it since. You know those times you've just said something and your brain won't stop circling it for the rest of time? Making toast. Oh hey, remember that time you called the teacher mum? Having a coffee. Oh, how about the time you told your girlfriend that she needs to suck it up and just get over her mental illness. I deserve that memory, but it doesn't stop the sting. I understand anxiety better now. After Megan explained it, I went and did some research. It's not that feeling I get when mum doesn't come home at the right time, and I start thinking she's passed out somewhere seedy. Yes, that's being anxious, but it's not anxiety. Anxiety is more than that feeling we can all get. It's an illness, and illnesses don't take into account economical status. Safe to say that was one of our harder days. I wanted to do better, and I think I am. I mean, I promise not to graph for her, and it's no light promise, but if it makes Meg's karma, it's worth it. She's got so much going on right now at school, I don't want to be the one to add even more stress to her life by getting arrested. My weeks have been passing in a bit of a blur. I'm drawing, but the thought that it's never going to be painted has made me lose motivation to really come up with anything new. My days are full of mum nagging at me because I'm home so much more. Schoolwork piling up and me dutifully glaring at the pile, hoping it'll transfigure itself into something more friendly. It hasn't worked yet. I wait around for Meg's after school so I can walk her home. I wait until her homework's finished so I can call her. 
My day is basically this. Wake up. Meet Megs. Hang out at school way too early because her morning meetings apparently don't know that anything that has to be done before 9am isn't worth doing. Sit in class and snap at ignorant teachers. Work at the gallery. Alternatively, see Meg. Go home and eat a quick dinner. Homework. Call Megs. Sleep. Repeat. Dez's 10-step program to becoming frustrated and fuming. We had one more argument after the council fight. We were walking along the Yarra and she slipped her hand into the back of my jean pockets. Lo and behold, I had a marker there. I wasn't graphing. It was still a habit to grab one and I had completely forgotten about it. I didn't think she'd be as upset as she was. Tears in her eyes, she accused me of not caring. I told her to calm down and she unloaded everything on me. She told me I wasn't there to calm her and she could act however she liked since I'd been lying about quitting graft for her. When I went to butt in, she wasn't having it. Looks like I wasn't the only one with pent-up stress. I didn't have the chance to defend myself or tell her it was just a habit and meant nothing. Obviously, it meant something to her, so I just let her say what she had to say. All these thoughts she must have been having for a while now. That she knew I was failing in classes. She saw me three times last week in the hall after being removed from the classroom and didn't say anything because she wanted me to tell her. She threw my old thoughts back at me, saying, You think I shouldn't be anxious because I come from a rich family? Well, I think your self-doubting is a bullcrap excuse, and I think your lack of motivation is shit. I think you're wasting an amazing opportunity for no good reason. Heaps of people come from shitty families. Heaps of people don't even have families. But you know the difference between you and them? They try. They grab every opportunity offered to them and make it work. We were in the park right by the river. Quiet for a Saturday Arvo, except for Meg's pacing and yelling. I felt like screaming at everyone to stop looking at us. But all her words had made my throat close up. She told me I was ungrateful. I had no ambitions. I was using mum as an excuse. She asked me if I wanted to end up stuck in a shitty job for the rest of my life. I don't. I don't want to be stuck cleaning someone else's house for a few bucks a week. Said I needed to stop messing with Graf and put my effort into an actual future. I think her exact words were, What are you going to do? Work for a sign writing business? Then make shit type fonts for crappy mum and pop stores? Because that's where you're heading. Or worse, you end up doing something you hate, being a 30-year-old that vandalises walls because you're bored and ruined all your chances at a better life. No. I don't want some crappy job. No. I don't want to be a 30-year-old painting walls and cleaning people's toilets. No, I yelled back. Childhood dreams and fairy tales aren't for people like me, Megs. Who the hell becomes their childhood dream? Do you think my mum was a cute girl in pigtails who wished to clean other people's houses for minimum wage? No, but shit happens. Life is hard. Who attains the whimsy of their ten-year-old self? One out of a thousand people? I told Meg she's the one who wants more, not me. I've never asked for any of this. I never even really wanted this scholarship. My teachers pushed me to apply. Oh, it's so easy to reach your dreams, right? Well, why don't I just start practicing my telekinesis? Jedi training is just waiting for me around the corner. How stupid of me not to realise Yoda just wanted me to pull my socks up and grow a ratty before saving the universe. Oh wait, maybe I should have used a Harry Potter reference to make a point. Life doesn't work like that, I tell Megan. I tell Megan why I kept being kicked out of classes from her. Because I knew she'd look at me. 
brown eyes full of disappointment. I don't try because I'm not cut out for this world. I don't fit in it. I can't work with this structured learning. I don't know what I need, but it's not this. I need people that get me. And Megan, well, she thinks I can be more than I am. She still believes I can make something of myself. She's living in a fantasy bubble created from nice parents and a smart head. Learning's not an uphill battle for her. There's no beast to slay each time she conquers a level. It's all smooth sailing. No krakens in the shape of drunk mums needing to be picked up at two in the morning on a Monday to muddy the waters. There's no digging under dirty couch cushions looking for two dollars so I can top up my Mikey. There's no whoops, we didn't pay the Optus bill and having to go to Macca's for free Wi-Fi just to finish the research on the history project that's due the next day. Megan explained what her anxiety is like, and I understand that, but I've never done the same because my brain's not a fun place. My life isn't fun, and she doesn't need that shit dragging her down. She doesn't need me to drag her down. She doesn't need me for any logical reason I can find, and I've thought long and hard about it. My eyeline is impressive, but it's not good enough to put up with the rest of this mess. I need her, and somehow she's delusional enough to think she wants me. I took a few days to myself after that fight. Played sick on Monday. Started running every day after dinner. I needed something to help wind down, and drawing has started getting me worked up instead of being a release. Running is horrible, and I do not recommend it for anything but trying to drain your brain. After a few k's of torture, I figured Megan was right. I don't want to be a brat and throw away this opportunity others would fight for. So I started shutting up in class. I had a major headache the past week from staying up late trying to catch up on my homework. I got a 21 out of 25 on my business test, which was an achievement since Megs didn't even help me study. We both broke down and apologised for yelling. Term 4 coming up and the stress being piled on us reached boiling point and we lost our heads. I'd rather write poetry than ever fight like that again. I dissed Harry Potter, and that's a serious breach of relationship rules. I stopped buzzing around Megs all day too. I was distracting her from other responsibilities. Instead, I started making an effort with some of the other kids in my classes. I prejudged them. Something I hate about people doing to me. Hypocrite, thy name is Desi. They're not any worse than my old classmates, just different from what I'm used to. You know that couple that every school has? The ones that are practically married? Have been dating since year seven? That's Brad and Seb. And they've saved me from total isolation. I may have had to become a quiet brooding type to keep away the loner title. Brad's a tall skinny dude. He's still growing into his shoulders. Long hair worn in a top knot. He's always a little hunched in class, like he's not used to his height. He's a sight to see on the footy field. Full height, shoulders back. Straight kicker and showing off those long legs, I can see why Seb nabbed him early on. Oh, and he's a nice guy too. Seb's on the short side. Has amazing black hair that naturally sits with a tight curl. I couldn't help but compare my lank home-cut bob to it. The first time we spoke, I threatened to shave her eyebrows and glue them to my head in class. And the next day, she plonked down next to me, throwing an eye palette into my lap. Telling me to go ahead, she'd just draw them right back on. Brad and her constantly crack me up with small sides in class, and it's strange I've never had a conversation with them until now. Actually, no, it's not strange. I didn't talk to anyone, so why would they strike up a convo with me? 
We'd been in the same science class for the past three months, and I might have said hi once. She told me I was a badass for telling Mr. Rogers off. And I told her I really would kill for some eyebrow tips because those things are glorious. And she agreed to teach me, only if I spilled what brand eyeliner I had on. Brad and Seb were having a smoke at the back of school when they invited me to the end of term party they were having next week. I told them I'd see if Megs and I could come and swap numbers. It sounds cool. I've never been to a party on the east side. I'll be getting a glimpse at how the other side lives. I have a picture of red cups and beer pong, but this isn't some American high school party from a movie. There will probably be some cheap grog as always, just with better dressed attendees. Megan's been smiling at me more lately, and that's all that matters right now. I've been trying harder to make her proud, to make her laugh. I even slipped a haiku in her locker, proving just how bad I am at poetry, so she could know what she'd be subjecting the world to if we fought again. I'll include it for proof, just in case I ever become so disillusioned I try to write another. Ginny is a babe. Books and smart girls overrun. Make them headcanon. At least one thing is good about it. Ginny and Hermione would have been fierce together. I'm talking Molly taking on Bellatrix fierce. The type of fierce I hope I can one day become. I may or may not be listening to the Harry Potter audios on my runs. I'm not sure how I'll ever be as fierce as I hope. There's no evil overlord overthrowing my world. Just the 1500 world essay and practice sack tomorrow. I'd still rather take on Voldy. He seems more manageable. I'll bring up the party tomorrow at breakfast. Hopefully Megs will agree to a night off. We've never really been to a party together.